0: I'm Danielle Royston, and this is Telco in 20. All right, guys, it's time to unleash the der. So you all know how much I love Elon Musk and his mission to Mars. And to accomplish that mission, he knew he had to build a really big rocket to get there. Do you know what he calls his rocket? He calls it the BFR. You know what BFR stands for, right? I think he tried to get everyone to think the F stands for Falcon, but we all know what it really means. And just like Elon, you telcos out there need a BFC to help you achieve your goals as well. So we're kicking off the next series on the podcast, and I'm calling it the BFCs. Yes, the big fucking clouds. Can I say that on a podcast? Oh, well, fuck it. BFCs, the big fucking clouds. So for the BFC series, we're going to take you inside the big three cloud vendors, Amazon's AWS, Google Cloud Platform, and Microsoft Azure to help you navigate and decide which hyperscaler is right for you, but also give them the opportunity to tell us why they think Telco should pick them as their BFC. Today, we're talking to the carrier grade cloud people themselves. We have Azure on the podcast, so let's take 20. Rick Lieveno is Worldwide Director of Industry Technology Strategy at Microsoft. Rick, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hey, Dior. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Awesome.
0: So I guess to start out, you know, your title, <laughs> Worldwide Director of Industry Technology Strategy sounds like a really big job. So what are the kinds of things that you think about and focus on each week and each quarter for Microsoft?
1: Uh, Maybe a little bit of background because a lot of people don't know that Microsoft indeed has a telecom practice, Mm -hmm. right? So we do. And I'm part of this corporate team that's really focused on the success of our telecom customers all over the globe. I really work with the Microsoft field sales teams. Mm -hmm. I also work closely with our product groups. But maybe most importantly, I really work with a very large ecosystem of telco partners and these are the folks that are really building the telco specific solutions on the microsoft platform right so you know that microsoft you know we're really a platform company yep um, that's our core focus mm-hmm. we really rely on on either customers or partners like like csg like netcracker or Amdocs that really build those solutions on top of our azure platform and so i kind of see myself as this uh, conductor uh, of this grand telecom orchestra at microsoft right getting all the various groups to collaborate and then connecting the dots wherever necessary.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think I, I read in your LinkedIn profile that you've been with Microsoft for almost 22 years, which is crazy and awesome. Ridiculous. And so what keeps you there and keeps you excited about, about the Microsoft future? Are there like particular projects that are going on that really get you jazzed and, and proud to represent that organization?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, so what gets me out of bed every day? I mean, we had Ignite last week. We had some really cool announcements around Azure communication services. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's cool. I mean, it's basically our um, communications uh, platform as a service. It's going to enable right. these developers to really start adding all these rich communications capabilities mm-hmm. and features to their apps, mm-hmm. you know, using really, really simple APIs. So cool. you know, video, chat, IAM, all that stuff. Just
0: drop it in and it works.
1: Just drop it in. Yeah. yeah. Another cool thing was Azure Orbital.
0: Yeah, the LEO stuff.
1: It basically allows you to connect and communicate and control satellites, start processing all the data that these little gadgets generate, and then be able to just pump that data right into Azure, right? So you can start processing that data, immediately start going through analytics, you know, all your geospatial tools, machine learning, immediately right from the get-go. So another cool one. Another nice service that that I really like, um, they're called Azure Cognitive Services. Mm -hmm. These are really services that make AI approachable by right. anyone. You don't have to be a gearhead, a propeller head, really any web developer can start using AI within their applications because these are just REST-based um, APIs. And so in short, with cognitive services, it really enables your apps to see, to hear, to speak, and really understand language. And they're super, super easy to use. We provide some base models machine learning models that you start with, but you can really easily extend them uh, to behave however you want and to address your own business.
0: Well, I think what people fail to really realize are all these sort of drag and drop capabilities. Agreed, yeah. There's these little building blocks.
1: That's exactly what they are, yeah.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. They're not snippets of code, but they're like little blocks. And I'm just going to grab this off the Microsoft shelf and drop it into my app.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: That's the one thing that I still don't think people in telco really understand. Get your stuff up there and then start to use these building blocks to like change and learn and grow. And, you know, I like to say standing on the shoulders of Microsoft, right? Like one of the best technology organizations in the world. And I get to leverage your dev team for for my benefit. And so I keep evangelizing that, you know, until I'm blue in the face. I'm always... The crazy person talking about public cloud but that's where I think it's not the hardware that's the advantage of public cloud it's the software it's these building blocks you can leverage for your we
1: hear you loud and clear you're absolutely right
0: yeah yeah I'm so excited and so late September Jason Zander you know EVP for Azure put out his big blog post on Azure for operators affirmed and, and metaswitch you guys want to be known as the Carrier grade cloud. So, if you're in the room with a bunch of telco execs, how do you explain that to them?
1: Doesn't it just sound cool as your carrier grade cloud? I mean, it's perfect.
0: <laughs> it's great branding. I love it. Actually, it's really it really awesome.
1: illustrates the heavy investments that we're making in telco. No question about that. Um, you mentioned a firm, the Meta Switch. These were great acquisitions, and, and uh, with them, we're really gaining all these telco specific functions. But really, more importantly, I think we're getting an infusion of telco DNA straight into our Azure team, right? So, I mean, that's a clear differentiator across the industry. Mm -hmm. We have now over 200 telco engineers, not cloud engineers, not software developers that, you know, understand how to build for the cloud. These are software engineers that know how to build for the industry. They deeply understand telco. And if we marry that telco DNA with all of our existing expertise in cloud, I mean, you're going to get capabilities that no other provider can match. And you really do get to carry a great cloud.
0: So are there three, four other reasons that sort of separate you guys from AWS and GCP in terms of why a telco should pick you know, I don't t-
1: think there's three or four, there's probably 20, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to narrow it down. First, uh, we really do want to partner with telcos, right? We want to bring the power of the cloud and the edge to their networks. And we have a really broad edge set of products that are really relevant to, to what telcos do. And what really should be clear is that we can't uh, make our vision a reality without telcos. We need them, and so partnering is key. Mm-hmm. The second one is that we do want to work with telcos to help them around reducing costs, but maybe more importantly around in- increasing revenues. We know that collectively telcos are probably spending upwards of a trillion dollars on deploying 5G old mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a bundle of cash. Yeah. And we know yeah. that. Uh, traditional devices are just not going to cut the mustard, right? It's not going to pay the bill by upgrading your subscriber base from 4G LTE to Mm -hmm. 5G. So, you know, there's a whole new suite of value-added services that telcos need to deliver. You're going to be able to do it with much greater cost efficiency and with a lower capital investment that you could ever do before. This, I think, is the most critical (laughs) component of them all is that we're really doing this under an umbrella of trust, right? And and not only as it relates to, to security and privacy, yep. but also around as a trusted partner who doesn't compete with your core business as a telco, right? So again, we're a platform company. You know, as a telco, it's your customer, it's your service, powered by our technology. And that's that's a key uh, differentiator as well.
0: So I'd really love to hear if you have any examples of customers using Azure that have taken a hairy legacy application Moved it up to the public cloud, and they're just having this like Nirvana, you know, angel singing Law! experience that's really dramatically cut the cost, huge ROI, massive business speed ups. Do you have any of those examples that you can tell us today?
1: I'm really a big fan of AI and, and using AI to streamline processes, particularly around customer care. We've had some stories with Telefonica, they have a, a chatbot named Aura. Mm -hmm. And Aura is is much more than just a chatbot. It's cognitive intelligence around everything that a subscriber could do with Telefonica services. So not only can they use it for customer care, you know, how's my bill, but also support issues. You know, my internet's not working. They have a digital agent um, akin to like an Alexa that's powered by Aura and Microsoft AI. And then they can use that to interact with their Telefonica services, even TV services. They, yeah. in fact, developed an entire uh, application platform where developers can really start uh, creating these apps for this Aura device. Um, Movistar Home is the name of it. So that one is is really cool. Well, we have, I think this you know, is a yeah. really
0: big idea, right, which is starting to use kind of like the machine learning or the AI, the, you know, the chatbots that kind of predict your problem and help Absolutely, customers. Yeah. Because if there is a universal human experience, it is that it's really hard to do business through telco. My mom, her internet went down here in the United States and she would rather call me and have me troubleshoot it than like call her provider. And so I think this is a really big opportunity for telcos, right? To come out as the leading provider of awesome customer experience. And so do you have visibility when it doesn't go right? Why don't these projects... Yeah, I
1: mean, if you're referring to to chatbot projects specifically, some of these have been underwhelming because, again, they've been too simple, right? Yeah, I think you have to really
0: spend good time. Like, I mean, sure, you're going to get the easy ones like, what's my bill and how do I pay it? But to make it really valuable, there is a little bit of a learning curve for the chatbot. But once it's working and you really trust the technology, the results are huge.
1: And we've done this not only with Telefonica but Vodafone, Toby powered by our platform, Mm -hmm. uh, Telecom Italia teams. They have uh, Angie, that's another example. They all have names. They all have names. And and for the most part, they're all going to be powered with Microsoft AI. So it's uh, really exciting. Maybe most importantly, again, we also have this ecosystem of partners. We actually have partners that have developed bot solutions specifically for chatbots, right? So from day one, you can already start addressing 4,000 plus intents that are specific to a telecom operator across multiple languages. So you don't have to build that language model from the ground up or from zero, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So if you guys could name drop and kind of brag, what are some of the telecom companies that are Azure customers?
1: I mean, just about everybody's using Azure in some way, shape or form. We did announce partnerships, deep partnerships with AT&T, with uh, NTT Docomo, Reliance Geo, Telefonica, Mm -hmm. Telstra, I mean, you know, a lot of big tier ones. And they've all selected, yeah, they've selected Azure as their preferred cloud, which is great for us.
0: And then I saw you guys did a little experiment with a data center underwater, right? So what can you tell us about that crazy experiment? Are you guys getting ready to move it into space?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Space doesn't sound like the friendliest environment for a data center, but hey, neither does the bottom of the ocean, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's, uh, There's yeah, no humans, project, <laughs> right? But that's actually a good thing. Yeah, uh, totally. We're running a data center, so Project Natick is what you're, you're mentioning, and yeah, that's a really exciting project. It's part of Microsoft Research, and and really their objective was to evaluate the feasibility of of underwater data centers. You know, like in the U.S., about half of the population is within 60 miles, within 100 kilometers from uh, the ocean, Mm -hmm. from the shore, right? I I think one of the really cool findings is that when they developed this capsule that, you know, they had underwater, they actually had a duplicate version of that, which they placed in a traditional data center. Mm -hmm. And and this actually this surprised me. The Natick data center underwater had one-eighth the failure rate of the same set of components that were on land
0: so So far far
1: yeah
0: (laughs) i just think the experimentation is super interesting right but i think we're we're getting to the point where we're going to start talking about a global telco oh
1: absolutely and i mean imagine telcos should absolutely be taking advantage of these capabilities right maybe space is next
0: maybe space is next i mean maybe not in my lifetime i turned 50 in in like a month and a half here yuck but elon musk is working like crazy To get us to Mars, right? Right, We're going to need the internet and space. (laughs) We're going to do data centers like on the moon, right? And who's going to do that? So it's cool to to see you guys experimenting. I think it's really innovative and and it's fun. I think it's really fun. So you guys pretty well-known won the Jedi contract from the Department of Defense. Right. And that was like a pretty big battle. Can you just like describe what that was about?
1: The Department of Defense issued this this contract and it was for the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, which, you know, JEDI, the coolest acronym ever. It's, yeah, right? Star Wars. <laughs> it caught my eye
0: because it was Star Wars.
1: <laughs> so it's it's really a contract to deliver, you know, all the latest uh, advancements in, in Enterprise Cloud to the DoD. It was priced at over $10 billion. Um, one of the largest, if not the largest, single cloud contract that, that's ever been yep. issued. If you think nothing else, if DOD thinks that Azure is scalable and secure enough for all of its you know, mission critical and highly classified workloads, I think it's pretty fair to say that Azure is going to be sufficiently secure for the carrier workloads that we normally
0: handle. I was just on a panel last week where that was the first question of like, really? is it yeah. secure enough? And I'm like, guys, banking's using it. The US government's using it. You it's know, like banging that, your head on
1: the on the wall. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I was in a meeting. It was one of the last trips I went on before COVID hit. Someone said, "Well, all the public cloud vendors are American companies, and we're concerned about the geopolitical risks of moving, yeah, our stuff to the public cloud." I don't know that our government is really helping us on this. For example, the TikTok deal. Um, you know, the very public Huawei ban. I sort of think it's a little bit dangerous like where do you draw the line where our government is kind of intervening with these like private sector businesses and telling them who can own them and who can run them and so i don't know if you have a point of view on that yeah i mean i've
1: even had the patriot act to that right that's uh, Mm -hmm. really caused some fear across um, some telcos outside of the u.s Uh, i mean i'd have no specific expertise or knowledge around you know tiktok or or even some of the huawei stuff however I think it was broadly reported that we did meet with the White House related to alternatives to Huawei. Makes sense. One of the largest technology companies, what can we do to ultimately yeah. help basically have a national sponsor for these types of workloads? Our legal department has been you know, a voice for privacy and for uh, sovereignty of data, mm-hmm. uh, working you know, with governments outside of the U.S., ensuring that, again, we will protect that data as their local laws require us to do. We've actually sued uh, the U.S. government already uh, related to some subpoenas that uh, were issued for data outside of the U.S. So, you know, we are actually fighting on behalf of our our customers there. Uh, And we don't shy away from that battle. right? And we've made it very clear that we are the number one company with regards to uh, security and privacy. And that will continue to be the case.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to hear that you guys are fighting those fights. So that's awesome. Absolutely. So. You've been awesome uh, today. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your perspective of how Azure is trying to win over telco. Like I said, our audience is telco executives. And so if someone listening wanted to get a hold of someone at Microsoft or Azure, what's the best way to do that?
1: So most of our enterprise customers, most of our telco customers are assigned an account executive, but you can also reach out to my team, uh, telcoindustry, one word, at microsoft.com. Uh, we'll certainly connect you with that account executive if, uh, if you don't know them directly. Always happy to answer questions and to have these kinds of conversations. You can find a lot of information on our website, microsoft.com uh, slash telco. That's an easy one. Uh, and uh, and we do have a lot of news that, that are published uh, daily on, on our Twitter. The handle's MSFT Telco.
0: Yeah, we'll put those in our show resources so people can click on those links. That was super awesome.
1: Thanks for having me. This was a great, great uh, session. Have All an right. early birthday. Uh, congratulations yeah. to you. And again, thanks for the invitation.
0: Thank you so much. Stick around because we're ending each podcast with a Telco in 20 takeaway. I have 20 seconds to tell you something you need to know. So I just published Time to Go Public, The Essential Steps for Complete Cloud Control. And in it, I describe four steps for moving to the cloud. You need C-level buy-in, you need to set your objectives, upskill your team, and just do it. I even turned it into a mnemonic, so make sure you check it out on my website at telcodr.com. So I want to give a huge thanks to Rick, and thank you to all of our listeners don't forget to hit that subscribe button, share our podcast with your colleagues and let's connect on LinkedIn and on Twitter at TelcoDR. While you're there, sign up for our email newsletter at telcodr.com. That's T-E-L-C-O-D-R.com. In case you haven't noticed, I really want you to sign up for my email newsletter. We've been that link in our episode resources and you can text me too at 925-TELCODR. Later nerds.